Blog Talk Radio. Welcome into My W Sports Sports Sunday here yet again on a Monday. But Luis Sanchez, Kyle Westcott, always happy to bring you live coverage of sports in the past week here on My W Sports. Kyle, it's been a long week. How are you today? It's been a long week, so I'm I'm a little tired on this Monday morning coming back into into actual work, and I, I can't just you know spend like I've spent the last week just following and and watching sports. So it's it's a little difficult to get back in the swing of it. There's a whole bunch to get to today. I mean, we, we've had WNBA news. We've had hockey. I mean, hockey has been the center of attention in our universe for the past couple of weeks, given the playoffs coming up and all this other uh, great, great, all this other great hockey action in, in the collegiate world. Um, but there's also plenty of, of skiing news. There's plenty of Winter Olympic news to get to. I mean, Kyle, there's just so much. Yeah, and I'm not sure how we're going to fit it in an hour show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get right to it. Let's talk about some hockey. Um, The NWHL had a couple of games this weekend, Kyle, and, you know, a a lot of teams have have had their – their weeks, I would say, you know, sometimes it looks like Connecticut is a team that can pull off a big win against Boston. Sometimes it looks like Buffalo or New York might be that team. This week we got to see Connecticut and Boston. And again, it seems like every time Connecticut has a big lead or a sufficient lead over this pride team, there's no quit. There's no giving up. There's no saying this game's over. Boston storms back and wins this matchup. Kyle, I still, I'm still struggling to figure out how, how this all happened. I completely agree, and this is this is the problem that we talked about, you know, just last week, is that Connecticut can score, but they're really struggling to uh, keep the other teams off of the scoreboard, and unfortunately, this is not a good thing to hear, but no lead is sufficient enough for the whale right now because. You know whether they're up three to one like they were this time, or or even they had a pretty sizable lead against uh, I believe it was the Riveters last week too. You know they're they're capable of giving up multiple goals in a in a very short fashion. So um, it, it's tough to say what what this Connecticut Whale team is because offensively they do look very good. I mean to be able to put four goals up on Brittany Ah in the in the uh, Boston Pride is is a uh, is a feat, but to to give up five when you had a three one lead is is a little tough. Well, and that's something I want to talk to you about, Kyle. Uh, Brittany Ott didn't look like Brittany Ott in this matchup. Fifteen minutes and twenty four seconds it took, just nine shots on net. 
um, and three goals to go in for Brittany Ott to be chased. And I think we talked about this before. The last time Lawrence Lobotnik had a start, we talked about, wow, she's, you know, she's played these games really well. It doesn't seem like there's a drop-off when Ott is, you know, not in net. So do you think Slobodinik is now the hot goalie for the Pride going into the playoffs? Um, I mean, she certainly came in and did a great job when she was in uh, for the remainder of that game. Um, I mean, I, I think Coach Bobby Jay is very um, very happy having Slobodnik there just in case, but I still think – I still think the pride stick with with uh, Brittany Ott heading into the playoffs, but again, he does. I, I believe that Bobby J does know that he can go to Slobodnik if he needs to. Well, and especially in a case like that, where you know, midway through the game, this whale offense, as you mentioned, four goals in the first 15 minutes or so, and then Slobodnik comes mm-hmm. in, and there's there's no score. The Connecticut, oh excuse me, the the, the Connecticut pick up. Uh, well, no, they didn't score in the, in the third. So, so there's no score in the third. Uh, so it's four unanswered goals by the Pride, Kyle. Jordan Smoker, Hillary Knight, Gigi Marvin, Emily Field. Uh, the other Pride goal was Brianna Decker in the first. What is it about this team? I mean, yeah, they have some phenomenal athletes, but this is five different players coming, you know, to, to answer the bell when they're down four to one. Well, that's exactly it. You have, you have such a, a range of players, such a, deepness of of that team that it's not necessarily just you know Brianna Decker you know winning every game for them they could they could get in this case they got two shorthanded goals even so even if you think that you're on the power play you still have to stop them because they're going to go out there and they're going to try to score even when they're shorthanded they're not just going to just dump it down and just waste out the clock for no reason they're going to continue to to press and attack even shorthanded the Pride put 50 shots on net, Kyle. 50 shots on net. Um, the Whale were just one of seven on the power play. Um, what's going on with Connecticut? Again, I'm I'm not really sure because, again, when you look at them offensively, they do have enough. Um, I mean, this is this – this is a very tough pride team to, to crack. And not only did they score, but they scored four goals. So offensively, they're doing their part. Um, but, you know, when it came down to the, the crunch time, unfortunately the, the goaltending and the defense, I'm not going to give it just – I'm not going to put it just on the goaltending. The goaltending and the defense need to step up and do a better job for this, this whale team. So yesterday we found out with the results on Sunday, and we'll get we'll get to that in just a moment. We found out that the Riveters clinched the number two seed, and Kyle, that's because New York. And, and I mean, to be honest, I, I you know they made a lot of changes this year. I don't think I was that high on New York when we were talking about them coming into the year. Right now they're in second place. Um, what were your thoughts about this weekend seeing Connecticut and Buffalo face off on Sunday? Um, and knowing that, you know, New York can clinch a, a win, or excuse me, not a win, a second seed with a Buffalo Buttes loss. Well, I mean, you look at a, a team like the Riveters, and I agree, we we didn't speak very highly of them at the beginning of the season, but, but they've really grown on me as well throughout the course of this year. And, and the youth of the Riveters has really um, proven to be 
one of their strengths. And, um, you know, they, they just continue to impress. And when, when you look at the deficiencies of the defense on the whale side or you look at the deficiencies of, of maybe scoring on the Butte side, it, I don't think that there's really something that stands out as, you know, wow, the Riveters really need to fix that. I think right now, if we were to see a, a Pride Riveters final, I think that's going to be a great game. And and right now, due to the shortening of the season and looking at a, at a one-game playoff, um, anything's possible now. Even even the Pride in, in the semifinals are going to have to play their best game to win. Yeah, with the one-game you know, one playoff, as you mentioned, anything can happen. And, um, you know, New York was off this weekend, Kyle, so we didn't get to see them. But I, I think you, made a, you hit it right on the head when you said – there's nothing we can really point out that they need work on. Their defense has improved mightily. Their goaltending, Kate Fitzgerald, I mean, she's been phenomenal in that. And, and it, she's just fun to watch, to be honest. And I know EA is probably sitting back saying, hey, I had all this, you know, I had all this at the beginning of the year. So, so shout out to EA for, for, for telling us about the Riveters and to watch out for them. Now it looks like they're the most dangerous team. So if you're Connecticut or Buffalo, are you trying to avoid Boston or are you trying to avoid New York? Ooh, good question. Um, I, I still think that <laughs> I still think that that the pride is the team that you want to try to avoid. Um, I, I still think that overall, when you put it all together, um, both offensively, defensively, and goaltending wise, but the pride are still, in my opinion, better than the Riveters. Um, but so I would say you're still trying to stay away from the pride. But I, I don't think it's a, a good thing to to go up against the Riveters right now either because of of how well they've played of late. So if you had your pick, Kyle, who who are the two teams right now that if the season ended, you want to see? Not that you think, but that you want to see in the Isabel Cup final. Well, I, I think it's I think it's the same. I I do want to see this this one game play playoff between the Pride and the Riveters because I do think that it will be the most exciting game out of uh, the options. Um, and I think that the Rivers uh, have the, the best uh, all-around possibility uh, to, to possibly knock off the Pride as well, especially, again, it comes down to this one-game playoff really changes a lot of things. And I, I think that that just puts a little bit more vulnerability on the, on the side of the Boston Pride. That's a great point, Kyle. And it's, it's going to be really exciting to see the season wind down just, I think, two more weeks before the regular season or a week before the regular season ends, and then we move on to playoff hockey um, in the Isabel Cup. So I, I want to ask you, do you think Boston will repeat? I mean, because right now I want to answer that, but I don't even know if I can. It is tough. It is tough. I mean, if this was, if, if, if this was last year and it was going to be three games, then – then I would say, yeah, definitely. But again, with the one game, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I would I like to say don't. yes, but I, I really don't know. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I see. That's that's exactly how my point of view is, Kyle. It's, you know, in a, in a three game set, you can say, okay, yeah, you know, New York might steal one, uh, or or Connecticut or Buffalo might steal one, um, or even Boston. You know, Boston might steal one for, from anybody, but. It, then you think about, well, in a one-game series, anything can happen, and, and we've seen it. I mean, we've seen some pretty incredible upsets in, in one-game playoffs, so um, it'll be really fun to watch. We'll have a couple more weeks. New York 
will travel to Boston uh, this upcoming weekend on Saturday. And then Boston uh, will also host the Buffalo Buttes on Sunday the 5th, I believe. Um, and then we'll have one more regular season game, and that will be between Buffalo and Connecticut. And then we'll move into the semifinals. The first semifinal will, between, will, uh, will be between Boston and the fourth seed. That's on Thursday the 16th. And then the second semifinal will be on the 17th. Um, that will be at, at the New York Riveters, who, who clinched the, uh, the two seed uh, with the finals all coming together on the 19th at the Songus Center in Lowell. So get your tickets. Go to nwhl.zone for more information. Uh, Kyle, are you excited that it's here in Boston or here in Massachusetts? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the NWHL has done a great job of late of trying to um, – move things around, and, and we saw with the All-Star game down in Pittsburgh, um, you know, it, it gave a new fan base an opportunity to, to see what was going on. But to be able to come uh, to Lowell and, and be at the Songus Arena, which is a great facility, wide open, uh, hopefully we can get an, a, a ton of fans in there and fill the, the stands for that. Um, it, it's a great venue to watch hockey. It's a great venue uh, for the players as well, and um, I, I think this is a good opportunity to bring in the the Massachusetts and the New England contingent. Absolutely, and it's going to be uh, you know a good showing there, depending on the teams. I think you know no matter what, there's a great following for for all four of these uh, franchises. So we'll see uh, we'll see who comes out to support their teams uh, out in Lowell when when they make it to the championship. All right, Kyle, from one potential playoff series to one that actually got underway this week, we have CWHL Clarkson Cup race. And, and shout out to the CWHL for, for kind of doing this early um, because, you know, as a hockey fan, Kyle, there's, there's some big events going on in the coming weeks. And we get to see this championship before those big events happen. And I like that. I, I just personally, I like that. I'm, I'm grateful for that. So thank you, CWHL. But we have two great teams or great matchups, I should say, and Brampton going up against less Canadians than Montreal. And then the Toronto Fury is taking on the Calgary Inferno, the defending champion Calgary Inferno. So Kyle, I'll let you pick, where do you want to start here? Because we had two different series going on. Uh, let's, let's take care of, of the easy one. Let's take care of the, uh, <laughs> let's take care of the one that was a sweep. All right, so let's start with Les Canadiens. Uh, in game one, Kyle, this kind of quickly unfolded to be a, a demolition. It was 7-1 to one the final, and, and just after uh, the second period, it was 4-1. to one. It seems like Montreal, they were riding on all cylinders in this series. In, in game one, they win it 7-1. to one. In game two, they win it 5-1. to uh, five to one. There was a lot to talk about. There's so many great athletes on these teams. Uh, let's start with Anne-Sophie Batet, because I don't think she does everything statistically, but she's in on every single play. And, and I think that's, that's huge, especially when you're on a line with Marie-Philippe Poulain um, and Carolyn Ouellette. I, I, I think she's kind of one of those players that might get lost sometimes this year. I mean, I, I think she, she's well. Yeah, well, you're right. True. So, so tell, me, tell me how you really feel, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that she is – I think she is probably the most underrated player in the CWHL. I mean, I, I think you said it right. We we talk so much about Marie-Philippe Poulain, but, you know, she, Batez goes out there and, and works so hard all year long. And, um, you know, I, I you look at the statistics, you mentioned the statistics, 
you know, she's she's in the regular season. She was one point behind Marie Philippe Poulin, but we're not talking about her as the the MVP. Um, although I think she should get just as much credit because it was the exact same uh, scenario last year. She was right in there. I think she was maybe three points back um, last year. This year she was only one point back. Um, she's just a great player. She works her 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 butt off the whole game. Um, all season long, um, you know, she played in every single game. So, I mean, she's just a, she's just a great talent and, uh, very unselfish, as you said, you know, playing with Poulin, you know, she's, she's got, you know, plenty of assists as well as plenty of goals. So she, she takes and she gives as well. So, um, just a great player here and, and she may not have done everything statistically, as you said, but, but pretty darn close to it. Well, and, you know, I shouldn't say that she doesn't, you know, get a whole bunch of stats because she she rakes in the stats, Kyle. She's, yeah. you know, she 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 gets points. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that's a great point to, to also throw out there um, as well. She finished with thirty six points this year. Um, so just 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 to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. um, so Montreal, they're into the final. They're gonna await uh, the winner between Toronto and Calgary. And I mean. Toronto just surprised everybody, and I hate to say that because Toronto is actually a really good team when you think about them on paper. I don't think Toronto should be this bad, personally. I think that they should be one of the top teams. I mean, Natalie Spooner, Christina Kessler, you can mention a whole bunch of names on this team, and you'll be like, what? Why aren't they undefeated or something like that? But that's, that's a story for another day. So Toronto, they come in as the four seed, and they upset Calgary 5-2, to two, Kyle, in game one. Any, any quick thought on that one? Yeah, I mean, we talked last week about the goaltending here for the, for Calgary, and you see in this game, Mashmeyer got the start, and uh, Toronto was able to to take advantage of it. She, I don't know if she just wasn't on that day, or or Kahanachuk just had her number, but um, you know, she just she just didn't have it that day, and uh, you know, we also see uh, not to jump ahead, but t- looking at the CWHL uh, final awards. Uh, when they they nominated goaltenders, uh, Lacasse was nominated from Calgary, not Mashmeyer. So um, I, I guess my estimate last week of you got to go with Mashmeyer, I guess was the wrong choice. And I, I'm, I apologize to Calgary for listening to the podcast last week and taking my advice. Um, but I'm glad that they were able to, to squeak it out in the end. I think we had a nice talk last week about who should start in that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm kind of uh, – uh, you know, I don't like to brag, Kyle. <laughs> oh, you don't? Um, oh, this oh, is I new. Don't. Okay. I, I don't. I don't. But uh, Genevieve Lacasse, she won both games to send Calgary into the Clarkson Cup championship. So, <clears throat> just just saying. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> All right. So, Calgary ends up winning those two games. Both scores uh, three to one. Um, and uh, as we mentioned, Genevieve Lacasse, she gets both wins. Anything else surprised you in, in that series? I, I know we talked about the, the first, you know, the game one, um, 5-2. I thought, you know, as you mentioned, Kohanicek just had a really great game. The hat trick, I think Nat, Nat Spooner um, played a really good supporting role. She didn't really want to be the main player. Um, but and then, you know, you see in the next games that once, once the supporting cast is taken away from Nat Spooner, there's really nobody else. Um, so any other thoughts on, on what Calgary did to kind of shut down Toronto? No, I just think, you know, when you when you play your game, 
this was a series they should have won. And, yeah, it was shocking that they lost the first one, but as long as they continued to play their game, they, they were supposed to win this series. So, you know, unfortunately it just took a little longer than, than expected, but but Calgary did take care of business. So, Kyle, now we have a rematch of Calgary and Montreal in the Clarkson Cup Championship. And last year I think we both had the similar view of what might happen in the Clarkson Cup Championship. Um, and I think we were both fair to say surprised at the results. So this year we kind of know what we have going into the championship. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I will say that I think that we do, but in the same respect, I'm completely baffled because you're right. Last year I thought, I thought last year Montreal was coming in so hot that Montreal was going to, was going to be able to hang on to that and win probably in a little bit of a shootout last year against Calgary, and unfortunately they lost 8-3 to three instead. Um, this year I kind of see it as the opposite. You see a, a Calgary team that was so hot before the playoffs, they come in, they stumble a little bit against Toronto, and even winning the, the second and third game, they only scored three goals, which is unlike Calgary towards the end of the season. They were really starting to put up a lot of points. And, you know, you now you go into the, the Clarkson Cup and – you have Montreal who just won seven to one and uh, five to one over Brampton, and now the question is, you know, they look like they're coming in hot, but am I going to be fooled again to to say Montreal is probably going to hang on to this one and and win it again this year, and and I'll be fooled in Calgary will win it again. So I, <laughs> I have no idea. I am I am baffled. I don't know who's going to win this. And I think that's that's the great thing about this this final is is that, you know, we can, we can assume, all right, well, Calgary has been start to finish the best team all season. Um, we can say, hey, well, let's, let's Canadians just put up 12 goals in their semifinal um, while, while Calgary was taking the three games. So there's a lot, Kyle, and I agree with you. I think it's really hard to just say, hey, this is, this is what we're going to get uh, and, and, and be confident about it. I think this is a final where, you know what, you don't, you don't make any prediction. You just sit back um, and and you just watch and you enjoy the game for what the game is. That that's probably the best thing to do. Just sit back and enjoy because I think this is going to be an awesome final. And again, I'll say it again. I said it last week. I wish that this was a three game play uh, playoff because I want to see these these two teams face each other more. Absolutely, great point. Um, we talked about these two offenses, the, the best two in uh, the CWHL, obviously the best two defenses uh, as well. So you can catch the finals coming up this weekend. Um, Les Canadiens, then Montreal taking, up, taking on the Calgary Inferno in the CWHL Clarkson Cup Championship. We'll see if we'll have Calgary repeat or if Les Canadiens can take the title. All right, Kyle, from some professional hockey, let's move on to the collegiate stuff, to, to, to the college hockey. Um, you and I were actually honored enough to do a Hockey East game, uh, Hockey East tournament game together with the Merrimack BC quarterfinals. How was your broadcasting debut? It, it was so much fun. Uh, you know, I, I, I always wanted 
to do things better. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I was excited for my first opportunity, um, but I know that I can, I can be so much better. So I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to allow me to join you for that, as well as uh, not, not only just any game, but for, um, you know, the number six team in the nation versus my alma mater. That, that was a pretty, pretty awesome experience for me. Well, glad glad we can make that happen. I know uh, I know you wish the results were different, but we had some some really <laughs> great games to, to to call. So let's uh let's talk about the college games. Let's start with the hockey East. We saw Boston College earn a sweep of Merrimack, uh, but let's talk about that second game, Kyle. It was a one zero matchup. Uh, that was pretty fun. Awesome game. Um, you know, like you said, one zero BC ended up winning, but when you're looking at a, a very young, <clears throat> first time ever in the playoffs, Merrimack Warriors team. And they're they're keeping this game one nothing all the way through. Um, you know that's just a, a feat in itself, and that's a, a great step in the right direction. And um, you know they even had some opportunities in late in that third uh, period, and unfortunately, just uh, you know Katie Bird is a great goaltender, and she was able to to deny them uh, the opportunity to tie it. Absolutely, and uh, shout out to Sam Ridgewell who had over 45 saves in that Ooh. matchup as well. So uh, great goaltending in that matchup. But the other team to move on on that Friday, Kyle, was Minnesota Duluth, and uh, they had a pretty easy time with St. Cloud State, uh, a 6-2 victory to to earn the series win and, and go on to the semifinals. Um, we saw a lot of great games on Friday and, and going into Saturday as well as the series moved in from game one to game two. Um, any big shockers this weekend that that you said? Whoa! Hold on. Let's let's double check that one again. Not really. I mean, when you look at um, you know the possibility that you know that Vermont uh, was able to to beat Providence and move on, you know I, that wasn't very much of a huge shocker. They were both uh, you know the four or five seeds, so very close. Uh, we knew that that would be kind of a, a close battle. Providence, I thought was the better team and unfortunately they didn't uh prove it in the course of the the quarterfinal so they get knocked out and and that's probably the end of their season um because i don't think the i don't think they'll go that deep into hockey east for the um for the elite eight so tough one there um you know i think when i look at the quinnipiac princeton triple overtime you know i i Quinnipiac won. I don't think that surprises me, but to have three overtimes is pretty awesome. So I would say that was pretty cool. Um, but again, in the end, you know, Princeton just was able to have enough to, to squeak by and, you know, again, a higher seed they, they should. But, you know, we, we talked a lot about Quinnipiac and their goaltending and the opportunity that Quinnipiac had to kind of play shocker. And unfortunately, they weren't able to do that. Yeah, I think that's that's where it kind of threw me off this weekend is I, I you know you, we thought Quinnipiac well at least I thought was Quinnipiac was playing really well coming into the break or coming into the tournament um, and, and maybe I just didn't give Princeton enough credit and that's that's on me uh, but Princeton definitely put it together after that triple overtime loss uh, to come back on Saturday and Sunday to win those games uh, huge performance by Princeton and, and we'll see how they fare out going into um next weekend playing playing a really important matchup for Princeton because they're they're on the team right now they're one of the teams on the outside looking in um so and another team in their division in the ECAC is Cornell so depending on you know how far Princeton and Cornell get they can swap 
uh, spots going into the tournament. If, if you're looking at the bracketology or if you're looking at projections um, for that final eight, you know, Princeton and Cornell are two teams battling it out. And who knows, maybe a, a BU or Northeastern can sneak in if those two teams um, kind of stumble in this next uh semifinal round on Saturday. So let's look at some of these matchups coming up. We finally get a full week of tournament action. Uh, the CHA wrapped up. The number one seed is going to be uh, oh Robert Morris, excuse me, uh, and the two seed is Syracuse. The first matchups will happen on Thursday, and that's Lindenwood at Mercyhurst and RIT uh, at Penn State. Those games will be at the Harbor Center in Buffalo, home of the Buffalo Buttes. Um, and then on Saturday, you'll have Princeton against Clarkson, Cornell at St. Lawrence, Vermont at Boston College. Well, these games, excuse me, uh, I should finish I should that ECAC tournament action at the Shell Arena in Potsdam, New York. So Princeton, Clarkson, Cornell, St. Lawrence all playing there. Vermont, BC, BU Northeastern will play at Walter Brown Arena in Boston, home of Boston University. And then the Frozen Four, or I think that's what they call it. The, it's not the Frozen Four. The Face-Off, it's what it's called in the WCHA. Uh, they'll have their four games at Ritter, Ritter Arena, uh, Minnesota Duluth taking on Minnesota, and North Dakota taking on Wisconsin. Any any matchups to look for, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, you know, we saw Kelsey Colzer go number one in the NWHL draft uh, last year, and <clears throat> if she and Princeton are going to continue, <clears throat> they're going to have to knock off Clarkson. And, um, you know, I think they still have an opportunity to do that, but um, you know she's going to have to really take the lead for for Princeton and 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 knock off a very tough Clarkson team. Absolutely, I think I think you know for me it's it's watching at that WCHA is you know if Minnesota and Minnesota Duluth. I think that's the game for the weekend for me. I think um, you aren't going to get a better matchup. I mean, you could look at the ECAC and say Cornell, St. Lawrence, and Princeton, Clarkson. Those are going to be good. But every time we've seen these two rivals go at it um, and now for a shot at the, at the conference championship, I think this one's going to be the one to watch. So watch out for that Minnesota Duluth, Minnesota series. A lot of great players uh, that we might see playing professional next year as well. Definitely. All right, Kyle, let's move from some college hockey to some college basketball, some huge news coming out this week um, from a, a variety of different angles. Let's start with the, you know, the accomplishment of Kelsey Plum. Um, a phenomenal, you know, I, I'm talking, and I, you know, I'm just talking to a friend here, and I'm saying, hey, yeah, there's this player in NCAA basketball. She's, you know, about three or four games away from from breaking a record. And I say three or four games, just given her average, uh, how <laughs> far away she was, and and like game two, I, I'm looking at at my feed, and news is breaking of Kelsey Plum, the all-time NCAA leading scorer, and I'm like, whoa, is my math just really that bad, Kyle? Or or did she just she just put fifty seven on a team to break this record? So and here's the even more interesting part is that I watched this game, and I watched in the first quarter and in the first half, you know she she was scoring, but it wasn't like wow like she's really dominating. It was just kind of like a bucket here, a bucket there. All of a sudden she had eighteen. All of a sudden she had thirty. And then we get into the third, and she keeps scoring. And we get into the fourth, and she keeps scoring. And, yeah, 57 points to break the record. And, and again, I'm with you. Like, when, when, when before the Utah game, she needed 54 to break it. And, you know, everybody was kind of saying, well, she averages 30, you know, plus. Um, so maybe, you know, next game. But, but this is senior day. This is her last home game. And you just kind of saw as the game went on, 
she just created more uh, opportunities for herself. I mean, she's just such a great ball handler. She's a great uh, player that knows how to change the pace of her of how she's driving so that she can step back and hit a jumper or she can blow by you. And uh, she's very hard to defend. And, and 57 points against a Utah team that, that was playing very close with with, um, with Washington at the time. Yeah, that's a great point. And I was, I was looking up the quote from, uh, from head, head coach from Utah, uh, Lynn Roberts, and she said, there's not much you can do. She's obviously ridiculous, ridiculously good. We tried everything. She's the, she kind of took over. When Chantel Osahor fouled out, it's like she became possessed. Even as the mm-hmm. opposing coach, you just stand there and say, holy cow. <laughs> I love that, cow. I mean, I'm sorry, but I love that. That's great. I mean, you, you admire greatness. And I think, I think it was last year, Rachel Bantam scored 60-something. And then Kelsey Plum also had a very high-scoring game. And we saw, we saw the attention that these players were getting. But, but it's, it's even that much more awesome when you have a coach who's, you know, who, who's been around and, and says, hey, you know, sometimes you just have to admire greatness. And that's what Kelsey Plum is. And, and I, I, I think I texted you right after, after this game, and I said, hey, do you think she goes number one in the WNBA draft? What, what are your thoughts, Kyle? I mean, I, I, I just see her as a pure scorer, um, and she can, she can do some work in the W. Yeah, I mean, she, she's a great player, don't get me wrong, and I think she's certainly going to um, – I think that she has the right um, capabilities to move into the, the WNBA and be not only a, a scorer but a, a leader for, for some team. Um, I, I, think, I don't think she would be – I don't think – I believe the, the I think San Antonio I believe has the number one pick. I don't think they would be wrong to to take her, um, but I just I don't know that that's what what San Antonio needs this upcoming year. Um, and so I could see possibly uh, somebody else going number one, and then Plum Plum will still go in the top three. By there's no way she falls uh, further than that in my opinion, but because um, you just don't pass up a score like this. Um, but but I don't know that she goes number one simply because of who gets that number one pick. Okay, that's fair. That's fair to say. Um, so talking about NCAA basketball, um, there is obviously a lot of talk about Gino and this streak. Now, they've moved this up to, I believe, 101, uh, 103 now, and they'll play today, uh, Monday, at U- USF, so University of South Florida, we saw them have a, a difficult game, and then in the last two, it seems like they've kind of gotten back to their stride. Do you see this UConn team still losing this year, Kyle? I, I do, not not tonight. Um, I do <laughs> not simply tonight. because – Not tonight. Sorry, USF. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do just because I still see um, just how difficult – the March Madness tournament is, and and I'm not taking anything away from Connecticut. I think they're a great team, um, but it's it's even. I think it's even more incredible the number of championships that that UConn has won, more so than winning 103 games now, because the road to winning the championship is the most difficult there is in, in any sport, in my opinion. Because it's a one-game playoff every time. And you have to win six games to be national champion. And you have to play six games 
against people who all are very good teams. And especially the further you go, you're going to face better and better teams along the way, and you don't get the same rest that you get during the regular season. You could be on the – I know UConn only has to go down to Bridgeport for the first part of, of the tournament, but, you know, when you go to that, that Final Four and, and, you know, this year I believe it's in Dallas – and, you know, you're in Dallas and the lights are on you and and you're playing against two great teams three days apart, it's a very difficult road. And, and I just, I wonder, I don't know who it's going to be, but I just feel like there's going to be a team that's just going to have the best game of their year and it's going to be against UConn and they're going to knock off the Huskies. I can't. I can't remember if it was, and I don't know. It's just maybe the red, but I can't remember if it was Temple or Dayton last year that gave the Huskies kind of a run in that first half. Um, and, and you know, it shocked a lot of people that this team was even close uh, with UConn. I'm blanking on the team, but all right, Kyle. Quick, quick point here before we move on from 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 UConn. When you look at their schedule, and this is this is the thing that that's just surprising for me is. You have these qual- you have these quality opponents. I mean, they started the season in their closest game against Florida State, and that was a two point win for UConn. Uh, then they go on and play Baylor, ranked number two. Now, after that, we'll see you know DePaul, uh, Texas, some 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 teamed ranked teams. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, and those are double digit victories. They play Notre Dame, ranked number two in the country at that moment, uh, double digit victory. OSU, twelve almost by 20 points. Maryland, another single-digit victory. Now, a lot of people like to bring up that in this streak before 100, 98 were over double digits. So that tells you that in that 100, in just this year alone, teams were being really competitive. So I, I don't see it happening. I just I can't, I can't see a team this year, even if it's a Notre Dame, a Baylor, uh, a Florida State, I don't see them making that much a difference um, going into March and, and pulling off an upset against this team. I think this team is really, really good, and a lot of people aren't giving them credit for being good because of what they lost. I hear you. I hear you. Um, I, and I do think that they're a very good team. Um, I do think that they lost three unbelievable players, and I do think that they still have quite a few unbelievable players. I mean, they – Winning breeds win- winning, and when you continue to bring in the best of the best throughout the country every year, you end up still having a great team, even though you lose some pieces. Um, and as you know, as we saw this year, Katie Lou Samuel- Samuelson really matured into her leadership role that she was supposed to have, and she has. Um, that being said, uh, not all of these players have played in the final four. Not all of these players have had to take this team on their back like like a Brianna Stewart did last year and 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 help them win, you know, the national championship. Um so I get what you're saying. They've won a lot of games, but this is sports and this is why we love sports because you can't predict anything. It could it could be Maryland, it could be Mississippi State, it could be, I don't even know, it could be Holy Cross. I don't think Holy Cross <laughs> is going to make the tournament this year, but but it, it could be somebody that we're not expecting who just comes out 
and hits lights out from three and is able to slow down Connecticut enough to just put the pressure on them and and beat them. So at the end of regular season this week, we'll get into conference tournaments in NCAA basketball this week. You mentioned some great te- some great teams in that top ten: Maryland, Mississippi State, Baylor, Notre Dame, Texas, South Carolina, Florida State, Stanford, Oregon State are in, are in the AP top ten right now. Um, do you have a, a team right now, Kyle, that you say, you know, if they just got it going? Because I'll tell you, mine is Florida State. I- I'll tell you that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. If, if, if UConn plays Florida State again, and I know I just said I don't see that happening, but if they do, and as you mentioned, if Florida State can shoot lights out, if Shaquille Thomas can play the game that she's known for playing, I think Florida State can pull off that upset. Um, but I can't see another team in the top ten that, that can do that. Maybe Maryland, um, but I, 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 I just don't. I think Florida State is the best bet, um, and, and I, I mean, that's just my opinion, obviously. But is there a team for you that you say, hey, you know, this is a team that if they if they do shoot lights out, if they get uh, their big to play, you know, bigger, um, what's that team or who's that team? I, I I still I agree with you. I think Florida State poses some some issues for UConn. I think they already have the confidence that they can play with them. I think that they also um, have continued throughout the course of the year to to play great basketball. Um, I, I think that they're. I think that they match up well with UConn. Um, I, I'm a little. Uh, I was a little taken aback by their loss to Texas, um, and they've unfortunately since then also strung together uh, three losses just since then, and we're only talking a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know if if they're just moving in the wrong direction. I I still. I don't know. I'm I'm holding hope, and I'm I'm still in the belief that South Carolina has the team that uh, when they play their best game, they just pose some huge issues for Connecticut. And um, they, I know they didn't play very well against them when they played during the regular season back in, in uh, early February, but I, I still believe that South Carolina is the team that, that could, given the right circumstances, given – it's the second game out of three days that could knock off Connecticut. That's a great point. And, and you know, uh, um, I think you mentioned Texas. Texas is a team that um, also they, they go and play Florida State and win, and then they lose to Oklahoma, Baylor, right. and ISU. Um, and, and I I 100% agree with you, Kyle. I'm sitting there looking at it like, wait, what? but – but isn't it supposed to go the opposite way? Aren't you supposed to keep winning? Um, but you also look at, uh, like you mentioned, um, Florida State went on to lose to Virginia. And, 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 yeah, they beat Clemson and Pitt. They're not really great teams in the ACC. And then they go and lose to Notre Dame by almost 20. Um, yeah. You know, so as you mentioned, anything can happen in a given day. We can see a two-point game. Uh, any, any, you know, today we can see UConn play UCF, uh, USF, and, and that could be a two-point game. Anything's possible. Um, but I think, and you know, and trying to figure out what's going to happen in this com- in, in this NCAA tournament, um, there's going to be some teams we're going to be looking at, and we're going to keep eye on, keep our eye on um, for when they lose or for when they could potentially meet that next big matchup. And I think it's good to keep these names and, and these these teams out there, uh, like a South Carolina. I you know I I haven't been huge on South Carolina, um, and that's for my own reasons. But I just don't see that they're, a, a, you know, a deep team, a deep enough team to make a run. And we've seen them lose 
early in the tournament. So I want them to prove me wrong. Um, that's what I'm looking for this year. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot of great things to look forward to in the NCAA tournament. I can't wait. We'll get into conference tournaments. We'll give you updates on all the conference tournaments next week. Anything before we wrap up here on NCAA basketball, Cal? I'll throw out my sleeper too. I mean, I think, I think Tennessee has flown under the radar and I think, you know, we just saw a, a very good win over Mississippi state uh, this past weekend. I think when Diamond Shields is at her best, um, I think that Tennessee could be a, a a team to not to sleep on. They could be a team to come out of the woodworks. Absolutely, I think that's a good pick. Uh, Tennessee definitely has some some big wins, also some tough losses. But we'll see uh, yeah. if they can make some noise in that SEC tournament. Uh, try to get the committee in on on their side um, as we move deeper. Kyle, I wanted to I wanted to bring this up. I don't think we talked about it last week, but. Um, WNBA news. We saw Candace Wiggins. She she's coming out with the book. Um, she's you know discussing the the atmosphere in the WNBA. Um, and I just wanted your take on on how you felt about these comments coming out. I mean, we've been fans of the W for a long time. I think since it came out um, in, in the early '90s or late '90s, I should say. Um, and we've we've you know been watching this league for for almost for over 20 years now. So just just your thoughts about the comments, um, your your immediate reaction, and, and now that you have some time to kind of digest, what, what were your following thoughts after? I think it's tough any time that you have uh, a player later on after the fact, uh, you know, come out with kind of a a history of what happened um, to people at that time. Um, I I think that. Unfortunately, there, there's, and, and I don't mean that to put this in a negative light towards her, but sometimes there can be some revisionist history that, you know, sometimes we feel things a certain way uh, when we're in the moment and we feel things a certain way when we reflect on it later on. Um, and, I, and so I think that, I think that she was voicing kind of her feelings on that recollection, on that uh, reflecting on her her time in the WNBA, um, I don't know that everybody feels the same, and and I don't and I don't. I well, let me say it this way instead. I know not everybody feels the same way because of what has come out since then, and the players or coaches that have uh, disagreed with her since then. But um, but in the same respect. It is her history, and it is her the way that she feels about what happened, and it's it's just a it's a good thing that that people can look into the the WNBA or any sport, and look at what has happened to people in the past, and reevaluate the way things are going now. And I don't know that we always do that. I don't know that we always take that next step to say, you know, if this did happen or not how do we make sure that this doesn't happen to the players that are in the WNBA now or the players that are coming into the league in the future? And that's, that's a great point is making sure. And I think that the W has done a really good job in just letting, you know, not putting out a huge statement and being like, well, this is not right. Or um, this is, you know, calling out Candace. I think they've handled it really well and just kind of sitting back and letting the players come to the defense of the league. Um, And I think that's where, where, I've gotten most of my like okay well if all these players are saying this then I don't I can't really you know I can't really see a situation like this happening and not that it won't I'm not going to be naive and say that things don't happen even when they don't seem like they're happening um 
but I mean, it's sports and we, I mean, we've played sports. We've been in locker rooms. We know the kind of talk that happens on, on and off the basketball court or uh, on and off the field. So there, there's a lot to get into about, you know, someone's personal experience. And we just don't have that. We don't, we don't, we don't know, um, you know, how Candace was treated in a locker room. We don't, we don't know how, uh, <laughs> excuse me, how the trash talk, you know, did wear and tear on her throughout her, her seasons in the W. And I agree with you. There's, there's no saying that it didn't happen because we don't know that. But to the point that you made about these athletes, um, I think it's, it's, it's incredible to see a Brianna Stewart, um, a Candace Parker, all these other athletes say, hey, look, this is, this is not my experience. And we understand that that's hers. But for, for our, you know, experiences in the WNBA, we've had nothing like that. And it's all been great. It's all been supportive. It's all been inclusive. Uh, and I think that's huge to have, again, all these talented players that have these well-known experiences in the league say that this, this is differing from, from what Candace was saying. Right. And, and uh, unfortunately, the way that Candace said it, you know, to call something toxic and, and to really call out the WNBA like that, I, I, I think is wrong in general. Uh, again, if you had a, a, a history of something happening, you know, let's, let's try to make sure that it doesn't happen in the future. And I don't know, again, like you said, we don't know what was happening in the locker room. We don't know what specifically happened to her. However, we know for a fact that we've seen some of the top players be able to uh, come out with their with their sexuality and be completely embraced and, and be be allowed to be who they are. And, and I don't think that whether people are uh, gay or straight, that anybody has has looked down upon them for being one or the other. And, and it, especially in a league like the WNBA, where you're going to have both gay and straight members of, of your team, you know, I, I find it difficult to believe that, that people were, um, you know, bullying somebody for, for being or not being gay, and then nobody else in the room would say anything about it. But that's just my opinion as an outsider. And 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 that, that's where I agree. Is you know, if this was seen by other, I mean, and you think about some of these players. I mean, um, Imani Boyette saying, "Hey, this is completely different," or 11-year veteran uh, Monique Curry saying, "Hey, this this was just um, you know something that I I did not experience, didn't even know about." Um, and even uh, Delisha Milton Jones, she came out and had probably the strongest words, saying, "You know." Um, the WNBA quote quote the WNBA has allowed for many of us to live a dream. I pray that Candace does find peace in her life and is able to move forward without devaluing or diminishing what's been priceless to so many others. There's been strong statements, um, and I think to your point, Kyle, is, is you know I think that this is a league that would have you know something would have come out you know, um, but again everybody everybody has their own experiences and they they hold on to them. Which um, it is to note that she does have a book coming out. Um, do you think this has any part in that, Kyle? Just to throw that out there. Well, again, if she's gonna, you know, write her her memoirs of of her experiences, you know, maybe we'll find more out. I, you know, I hope that she will, you know, be more specific than just saying, you know, it, it was toxic and and it was a horrible experience and it broke my spirit. You know, things like that. Um, you know, I would hope that she is able to. Um, you know, give some some actual circumstances, and I I don't want her to feel like she has to give her dirty laundry of of what happened to her. But 
but you're just having you're seeing way too many other people that are disagreeing saying that that it was an issue that it, that there was um that there was things happening to them that caused them also to feel this way yeah that's a, that's a great point and well as you mentioned we'll we'll get more of uh of that information once it's available to us and once that book uh comes out obviously a lot of people will read it to get more information on her experience and, and what the W uh, meant for her as well. All right, Kyle, moving on from the WNBA, let's talk about some USA soccer. Uh, she Believes Cup roster was announced. Uh, there's some, some familiar names and some, some big names coming on and some, some young names as well. Um, so we have some camps coming together. This is about uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, we have three goalkeepers on the roster. So Jane Campbell, Ashlyn Harris, and Alyssa Nair. Um, any Any – any thought for you about Hope Solo rejoining this team, or do you think that her time with the U.S. national team is done? No. Unfortunately, I think uh, I think they may be done with her, and I think she may be done with them as well. I think it was pretty clear last year uh, when she was – when she was leaving after her "quote unquote" suspension, um, that, that she was done with the U.S. national team. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all that that her name is not on this list. Any names that did surprise you on this list? I mean, uh, you, you have Rose uh, Levely from from Boston. Uh, she's one of the young players joining. Brianna uh, Pinto as well. Crystal Dunn's going to be on this roster. Obviously, some of the big names will be returning. So, any any big surprises for you? Lavelle also just just signed a, a new contract with the Breakers as well, so that's a great thing. Um, I mean, I mean, it's I'm glad to see players who are going uh, over to Europe like Lloyd and Morgan uh, did come back or are planning on still playing uh, for the the U.S. national team. Um, it's it's a big it, it's a big change for them to go. Uh, over to Europe, but you know, hopefully they still will find time to to play on the team that that they should be playing on uh, for their national team. Absolutely, uh, it's also interesting note here. Mallory Pugh is in her first quarter at UCLA. Kyle, interesting, <laughs> right? That's 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 insane. Uh, all right, let's move on from from soccer. Um, you have some uh, some U.S. skiing news. Yeah, another big weekend for the U.S. Uh, downhill team this weekend. Um, had a, a little bit of a, a scare or a little bit of a issue, I should say, uh, with uh, conditions and actually protested one event and did not um, perform in the event, did not uh, play in the event because of uh, the, the snow conditions and uh, so we had a little bit of a break for the whole team, uh, but then uh, this past weekend um, on Sunday at Crans Montana in Switzerland, uh, Michaela Schifrin gets her first victory in a combined race, and in this combined race, it was a combine of the Super G and the Slalom. So this was another another stepping stone and another feather in the cap of of Michaela Schifrin, um, you know, just continuing to win uh, these events by really by huge margins too. I mean, to to win a, a combined race uh, by by seven tenths of a second is is huge. And I mean, she's she's been performing lights out this. I mean, not just this past year, but for a while now, Cal. So I mean, is is there any any thoughts that she could sweep the medal count when she goes to the Winter Olympics? Is this like the athlete to watch for uh, on the slopes? 
Well, so again, you have to remember Schifrin is is a technical racer. So when she, when we talk about the the technical races, the slaloms, possibly the giant slalom, she got her first win in that a, a few weeks ago now, um, or any of the com- combines. Then yeah, maybe. Um, but but when we think about the the speed races, um, we're thinking uh, that's really more Lindsey Vaughn's um, kind of race. So she's the one that's that we're going to be looking for for you know like a, a super G or a downhill race. All right, so we'll keep an eye out for more news there. Cal Westcott always has your updates. Cal, before we wrap up here on Sports Sunday, obviously softball season, lacrosse season, and NCAA sports have been uh, underway. Let's talk a little softball. Any big surprises early on in the year? I mean, um, we've had the defending champ lose to three ranked opponents um, this season. And any, you know, there's there's some teams that are on the rise. Anybody catching your eye this year before, uh, before we get into the Women's College World Series later on? Well, we talked about Florida State and basketball. Florida State's had a heck of a, a early spring here in softball as well. So, I mean, I think first of all, we, we, you know, we look at at the Seminoles there. Um, surprises. I mean, for me, you know, I always think about uh, for softball. You're thinking about the California teams and the Florida teams. Uh, usually, are your better teams just because they can pull from the California um, or the South. Um, and so you look at a team like UCLA, who's had a had a pretty good start as well this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of history there with the Bruins, and uh, hopefully they'll continue their winning ways as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, Florida State. So uh, sorry to knock down your, your, your point there, but Florida State lost to Texas A&M this week. Uh, 15 strikeout performance by Samantha Show. So she might be a top player Tuesday nominee, Kyle? Definitely, definitely. And, and again, <laughs> Texas A&M, I mean, going all the way back to Amanda Scarborough, uh, they, they just produce pitchers. And so it's no surprise that, that a Texas A&M, you know, has another stud pitcher in their in their stable. Absolutely. A lot of great things to look forward to. Um, the, the biasness in me will tell you to, to watch out for BC. They're, they're a good team in that ACC. So, um, of course, as always, we thank you for joining us here on My W Sports Sports Sunday, Kyle Westcott, thank you for joining me today. As always, uh, we'll have more updates next week. Catch us on Sunday, noontime Sunday, um, this upcoming week for MyW Sports, Sports Sunday. As always, thank you for joining us. You can send us uh, information on MyW Sports, Motivational Monday, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and Flashback uh, Friday Favorites. Sorry about that. Uh, and as always, you can send us um, your candidates on uh on social media or visit mywsports.com if you have any donations visit www.gofundme forward slash my uh my w sports man i'm messing this all up today kyle uh so <laughs> so thank you for joining us on this monday edition of my w sports sports sunday again join us on social media at my w sports and as always tune in next sunday for the next edition of my w sports sports sunday go inferno <laughs>